Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17, very common scripture particularly as it relates to warfare. Thank you. And it says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Everybody say, in the Lord. Lord. Be strong in the Lord. That's important, so don't be strong in yourself. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Everybody say stand. We're going to say stand a few times. That you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. It says that twice, that you might be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Everybody say stand. Stand Stand, therefore. Having girded your waist with truth. Now watch this piece of armor. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able. Look at somebody and say, you'll be able. able. Come on, look at somebody else and say, you will be able. You will be able to quench all the fiery darts, every single one. Every fiery dart of the wicked one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You may have your seats. When I think about where we are um, as a nation, it's it's pretty obvious to see that we're in a war, right? Now, as Christians, we don't war against the flesh. Let me give a little disclaimer as I start this message. Let me just say this. I grew up fighting, okay, from where I came from. So it took a couple years to kind of break out of the thought that fighting solved everything. I went to Carver Shores. How many know where Carver Shores is at? Okay, if you don't know, you don't want to go there, especially if you're my skin complexion. Um, so I grew up, you know, fighting in school. And so as a kid, you kind of, even as brothers, you fought through things in order to solve problems. You didn't talk through them. <laughs> so for the past almost 20 years, I've learned how to have conversations and you guys are looking at me like, I can't even imagine. Yeah, neither can I. I got to bring some old pictures in um, someday. But let me give a disclaimer. First and foremost, it is never okay for a believer to fight their way, to get their way. Amen. So what we've seen happen, and I don't want to talk a whole lot about politics. I'm called to preach the gospel. I'm not called to preach politics. But what we've seen, it is never okay for a believer, a a God-fearing believer, to fight to get their way or to prove a point. I wish somebody would say amen to that. We can pray our way through. We can talk our way through things, but it's never okay to fight. But but there is, as it relates to um, Ephesians, it's kind of telling you to dress up to get ready for a fight. But this is talking about a spiritual war. Everybody say a spiritual war. And as you look at the nation right now, it's pretty evident that we are in a spiritual war. Whatever happens in the spirit realm will begin to manifest in the natural. So what you're seeing happening in the world right now is because it's two kingdoms fighting against each other. And it's not a kingdom of the Democrat and the Republican. It's not a fight between red and blue. This is a battle for the soul of our nation, and it's a battle between light and darkness, the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. And that's what we're seeing come to a culmination. 
And I truly believe that the stage is being set right now for what God is going to do. Do you know that we are going to win this either way? When I say we're going to win, I'm not talking about red or blue. I'm talking about the believer. You know why? Because if you just flip a few chapters later and read the end of book, the book of Revelation, we win. It's going to end great. But as you read through the scripture, especially in the book of Matthew, the Bible talks about troubling times will come. It shocks me when believers get discouraged when they fall in difficult times, when they see things in the nations that don't line up with the book of Revelation. We are in the middle of what God is about to do. Can I tell you why we win either way? It doesn't matter if blue wins or red wins. You know why? Because if red wins, yes, we might have a better school system that may teach our children maybe in a better way. There might be more biblical principles in the world, right? And in and, and, and our nation, or if blue wins, do you know what? Maybe that'll just be the answer to get us fueled in the place where we're supposed to be. Maybe it'll drive us to our knees once again. Now, although I think you guys all know where I stand with that, I am also share disappointment with what's happening in the world. Disappointment with the results. Somebody say, it's not over yet, though. God can still turn things. God can still move things. But, but listen to this. The enemy will do everything that he can to delay what God's will is. But he can only delay. Somebody say, he can only delay. He cannot stop what God is going to do. And listen, the, the Bible guarantees these kinds of things are going to happen. So I want to I give you some hope this morning. Is that Okay. I'm going to read another portion of scripture. I don't want to be laborious. I learned this from my pastor. He read, he inundated me with scriptures for about 10 years. So forgive me. I'm going to kind of follow his methodology this morning. But I, but I want to read something between a conversation of the disciples and Jesus. And this is Jesus talking about the last days. Everybody say the last days. In the book of Matthew chapter 24, it says this. Can you guys get me out of the can here? I'm getting a little... Feedback, And it says this, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, meaning Jesus, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And guess what? They'll deceive, he will deceive many and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. For many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ and deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Come on, nudge somebody a little bit and say, don't be troubled. Do not be troubled. Do not be troubled. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and COVID-19, excuse me, and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And they will deliver you up to tribulation and possibly kill you. And be, you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another. Hmm. And will hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and deceive many. And because lawlessness or sin will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to the nations. And then the end will come. Do you know why I know we're not at the end yet? Because the gospel hasn't been preached to every corner of the earth yet. But we are in the middle of what God is doing. And make no mistake about it, we are in a season of great warfare, both personally and in our nation. And I love what it talks about in Ephesians 6. This is probably one of the first scriptures that I really ever learned. I can almost quote it verbatim, almost. And it talks about what we are to put on if we're going to withstand in the evil day. It is amazing to me the believers that, that get, uh, get saved and enter into the battlefield yet don't have any armor on. And they are not ready for the onslaughts that the enemy has planned for us and in our lives. So today, I want, I want to minister to, a, to you guys with a message entitled, The Last Stand. Somebody say, The Last Stand. 
first thing I want to talk about is, as a believer, we can't be shocked by what we're seeing in the world today. We have to expect the resistance. Expect the resistance. It shocks me that people are shocked based on what they're seeing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, it says this. This is the Apostle Paul talking. This is the guy who was beaten with rods. So he was stones were thrown at him. He was shipwrecked. All these crazy things happened to him because he was preaching the gospel. And listen what he says. He's, he's going into a city and he has this opportunity to preach the gospel to some people. And he says this, for a great and effective door has opened to me. Now watch what follows. He says, and there are many adversaries. Anytime that you're on your road to destiny, on your road to doing God's will, you will have adversaries. You will have oppositions. And the Bible, and you think you might be fighting flesh and blood. You think it might be against your spouse that's resisting you. You might think it's against your boss, but the Bible talks about we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities. That means rulers of darkness in this age, in the heavenly realms. And if we're gonna walk in victory in our lives, we have to understand how we get to victory. You may be a great prayer warrior, but if you don't armor up daily with the armor of God, the enemy will have a heyday with you. Come on, somebody say amen to that. So he says, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When I started this church just over two years ago, I had the first, I didn't get through the second week of preaching before I got one of the worst news I've ever gotten. And I won't share that, it's very personal. And, and, and then as the weeks progressed, second, third week, I had a, tons of equipment, about $10,000 equipment stolen from the back of the church. I'm in my second or third week. And then my mom gets diagnosed with cancer. And then and so on and so on. And we, our first year anniversary wasn't at our new building that had our nice 70-foot stage. It was 5,000 square foot sanctuary. We didn't even, our first one year anniversary was celebrated in this building. Because when you desire to do something for the kingdom, even though you hear from God, doesn't mean that the enemy will not oppose you. But if you're going to withstand and get to your destiny or get to what God has called you to or get to the place that the Lord has called you to, you will go through opposition. You ever got a word and then all hell break loose? God tells you you're going to give it, somebody gives you a prophetic word, you're going to get a great paying job, you're going to you know, pay these certain bills off, you're going to be debt free this year, and then you lose your job. Because the enemy oftentimes, and I've preached this before, will, will oppose you in the opposite of what God says. But he can only delay. He cannot ultimately stop your destiny or stop the purposes of God in your life. But if you're going to get to your purpose, your destiny, you have to armor up. Somebody say armor up. You, will expect, you can expect resistance when you desire to do God's will. And don't ever think because God called you, it'll be easy. As a matter of fact, God will use the opposition of the enemy to train you. And oftentimes, he will, he will, God will allow you to stay in a tough place for long periods of time to train you for warfare. Because can I tell you, in these last days, God is not raising up wimps. This morning, the Lord, I felt like the Lord, maybe it was my creative edge to me. He said, I'm not, I'm not raising up spiritual shrimps. I'm, I'm raising up warriors. I'm raising up leaders. I'm raising up people who have been trained, who've been like, 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 the, like John the Baptist in the wilderness, been eating locusts and honey, who haven't had a stage, but they've been praying in their prayer closet. And these are the people in the last day that God is relying on intercessors to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, somebody say... That's me. Amen. And the devil's not concerned about you starting something in the Lord. He's concerned about you finishing it. And what happens is, is when you're right there in the middle, when we're right here in the middle of America, almost at the finish line, here's what the enemy wants you to do. He doesn't want you to be armored up because he doesn't want you to cross over the finish line. He doesn't want you to end well. He doesn't want you to persevere. He doesn't want you to cross over the finish line of your life. And his job is to create an environment to cause you to give up. This is, this, is, this, is, this is why the enemy is called the prince and power of the air, okay? 
That means he oftentimes speaks to the mind. Has the devil ever hit you? No. Well, he might have used somebody else to. Has he ever spit on you, kicked you? No. He's the prince and power of the air because he moves through the air. He's the prince and power of the air. When you think about technology, when you think about Facebook, when you think about Twitter, when you think about Instagram, he's the prince and power of the air. He moves through the mind. So what he does is he tries to create an atmosphere that's conducive for quitting. And as the body of Christ, no matter what we're seeing in our government or we're seeing in our personal lives, you can not allow what you see in the natural to discourage your faith. Somebody say, stand strong. We have to stand strong. That's what the Bible says. Stand firm in your faith. Amen? No matter what we see. And sometimes he'll attack your mind or he might attack your body. But we have to stand firm. Sometimes he attacks our finances. Sometimes our career. Sometimes our destiny. Sometimes if you're a minister, maybe he'll attack your ministry. It doesn't matter what it is, but we have to stand firm. And listen to this. When you resist long enough, the enemy flees. But don't forget, the Bible says in... James chapter four, watch this. He says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, then he will flee. So we first have to submit to God first. That's finding lordship under Jesus Christ. And then we resist the devil, then he'll flee. Somebody say, resist him. So sometimes we have to resist those thoughts. Resist the urge to quit. Sometimes we have to resist what we even see with our physical eyes. Do you know what Smith Wigglesworth said? He said, I move more by what I believe than, I, than, than what I see. He, is move, he said, I am moved more by what I believe in my faith than what I see with my natural eyes. Don't let what's happening in the world discourage you. Don't let what's happening in your personal lives discourage you. Did you forget that God has a plan? That God has a will? And nothing can stop his will and his purpose, not for your life and not for America. Because I don't know about you, there's only one throne that we look to for answers, and it doesn't reside in the White House. I wish I would get a better hand clap than that. Because he's the king on the throne. Amen? So my encouragement to you this morning is, if, you experience, if you're experiencing resistance this morning, keep fighting. Keep moving forward, no matter what it is in your life this morning. The enemy will eventually give up whatever he's attacking you in, and God will give you the victory. And that's why I was ministering about finding the secret place this morning, because that's where we find our strength. We try to find victory in our fighting. Do you really think you're going to win an argument through a Facebook war? People's defenses are up. Don't waste your time. Pray. We need to try that a little bit more. Just shut down sometimes the, all the social media when you're inundated and just take a step back. It's amazing the secrets that God will share with you when you just find the secret place. Amen? And after you pass the test of standing in resistance in your own personal lives and even what's happening in America, then the Lord will send you to the dressing room. And that's where we dress for battle. How many want to dress for battle in this season? How many want to find victory? Well, the way you find victory is you dress and ready yourself for battle. Again, I'll say this again, but I am amazed at Christians, just believers who step into Christianity onto a battlefield and they have no armor. Now, what does that look like? You know, for me, when I wake up every single morning, I wouldn't say this is religiously because I don't consider myself to be a religious man but I consider myself to have a regiment. There's a difference. And one of my regiments is when I wake up in the morning, I verbally say out loud the armor of God over my life and over my family. I literally, I call out my daughter's name from the youngest all the way to the oldest, then my wife and I'm last. And I declare the armor of God over our life. I speak it over them each and every day. All these pieces of armor are symbolic in the life of the believer. And if you are going to win your earthly battles, you are going to have to dress spiritually. A lot of people say, Donnie, you, are, you can be no earthly good when you're too spiritual minded. Can I tell you, and you've heard me say this before, you can be no earthly good until you're spiritually minded. Until you, the Bible says, keep your mind on things set above, not things on this earth. So what will make the believer effective is being spiritually minded, being heavenly minded. 
Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Amen? And most people live as though the enemy isn't real. And I would guess this in this room, that most people in here, not all of them, did not give much thought to the enemy's existence this past week. And may I politely suggest to you that this well pleases the devil. To make us think that he is not at work. To make us think that the things that are happening in our lives are happenstance. Now let me just say this. I did come from a ministry when, I'll be careful the way that I say this. There are some ministries, I'll say it like that, that everything is demonized. But we are entering into a phase, I think, in Christianity where, where there's almost no talk on how darkness works, how the enemy works in our lives. And we wonder why we have so many Christians defeated. You cannot walk in victory if you do not understand your adversary. Look at somebody and say, understand your adversary. I want to go through these pieces of armor in Ephesians chapter 6. Is this okay this morning? We have to armor up. I want to go through a couple of these, and you may take some notes but I want to first and foremost start with the belt of truth. Everybody say the belt of truth. I mentioned fighting. God, I didn't want to say this. I just got reminded of it. It's not in my notes. But I grew up and I, I came off of a, a bus one time and my friend, his name was Eric. And a big, he's African-American. He's probably, we were in our teens. He was six foot two. And he could, he knew karate and just, he, nobody would want to mess with him. Well, one day, these guys just kept picking on Eric, and he never messed with But if you mess with him, you're in trouble. He was one of my best friends. And he comes off of the, the bus, and these guys are picking on him because he, he talked a little funny. And um, that day, Eric liked to sag his pants, and he didn't have his belt on. So this, this puny guy engages into argument with him, and they start you know fighting, and, and Eric's pants end up around his, his, you know, his thighs. So he trips over and falls and he can't, that guy's, you know, beaten up on Eric, but it just made me think about how, how many believers are just like this. They have the ability to war against the enemy and walk in victory, yet they have no truth for the basis of their life. How many know that biblical truth is important? Going to church is not enough. It's important that we remain biblically sound because truth is relevant and there is absolute truth. And that would be the infallible, inerrant word of God. And so we have to each day armor ourselves. So what does that look like practically? I can count on one hand. I don't say this boastfully, but I, I like to use myself as an example. I can count on one hand in the past 15, almost 20 years that I have not woke up first and read the word of God before I roll out of bed. And even though my flesh fights against me, I know it is important for me to armor myself first with the word of God, even if it's one scripture, even if it's one verse, armoring yourself, because guess what? As I studied the Roman armor in the, the New Testament, those guys that were uh, the Roman rule in Israel at that time who oppressed the Israelites, did you know that the belt of truth actually held up every other piece of armor? See, this is, this is the thing. As a Christian, we have to build our lives based on biblical truths. Being spiritual is not, just, is not good enough. Being armored with God's word is the basis for our Christian living. I love the acronym for Bible. How many have heard that before? Basic instructions before leaving earth. This is the believer's rule book for living a godly life. And we have to armor ourselves with those truths. Because guess what? If you don't armor yourself with the belt of truth, none of the other pieces will be able to be held up. I, I see people, there was someone who came here not that long ago, and I'm not pointing any fingers, but, but, but I can understand through this person's language that they were super spiritual, but not biblical. And there's a new move that's happening in the earth. I want you to hear me. I want everybody to hear me online. There is a new move that's happening in the earth with great spirituality, but it doesn't rest on biblical lines. I see people more and more becoming more and more spiritual and less biblical. I'm okay with you being spiritual as long as it's biblical. Look at somebody and say, be biblical. We have to be biblical. And that's why you'll, if you ever hear me speak in tongues, I, there better be an interpreter. 
1 Corinthians 12, the Bible talks about let everything, say everything, be done decently and in order. So I'm okay with people being spiritual as long as it's biblical. And if we're going to walk in victory in every area of our lives, it is important that we gird our waist with the belt of truth so that the other pieces of armor can withstand. Because the devil would, would love for us to be spiritual, but yet get off biblical lines. Because here's what it does. It opens yourself up to demonic activity. It opens yourself up to the onslaughts of the enemy. It opens doors, even though you're quoting maybe scripture. But if you do things that are outside of God's perfect will and purpose, which are found in his word, you will open yourself up to attacks from the enemy. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Does everybody agree with that? Secondly, the breastplate of righteousness. That protects the heart. The Bible says, uh, out, of the, out of the issues, uh, excuse me, out of the abundance of the heart flows the issues of life. So when we put on that armor, that's our breastplate, when we declare that, because you're going out into work environments where you are bound to be wounded, where the enemy is bound to use somebody to wound your heart, to say something to you that offends you, that hurts you, that gets you out of the spirit. Come on, oh, you guys all work in great environments? Between family members and friends. So when I wake up in the morning, I, I, I put on that breastplate because I know, even sometimes, I just looked at my wife just now, sometimes you gotta put a breastplate on for your spouse, amen? Or your coworker. Things that the enemy will use to wound your heart. Somebody say, guard your heart. That's what the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. And that's what the breastplate does. It protects your emotions. It protects you from getting in the flesh. Come on, somebody say amen. And the sandals of the peace, of the gospel of peace. That's another piece of the armor. The reason for the sandals of the gospel of peace is because, you know what? I'm okay with standing up for truth and verbalizing it and making it known. But you know a believer by their peace. And here's how I know I'm no longer walking in the spirit is when I've been robbed of my peace. You will know you're no longer, when you do not have peace, you're no longer walking in the spirit. Somebody say, you're no longer walking in the spirit. When you are robbed of your peace and you are operating in fear, God no longer is partnering with you because you're operating through a spirit of fear. Come on, I'm preaching like my old pastor now. We don't want to operate nor make decisions in fear because every action in our life produces something. Every action, every attitude is a seed. Everybody says it's a seed. Yeah. If you are good to someone and you sow that seed, people will in turn be good to you. If you're a friend, that's what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes. In order to get a friend, you should be a friend. Come on, if, if you want to be blessed in certain areas, you just have to sow certain seeds that you know you'll get a return on. Amen? In other words, if you have a good attitude, people will be nice back to you. Maybe not all the time, but for the most part, the Bible says, those who sow shall reap. So whatever area you're sowing into, you will then reap. If you're in fear, guess what you'll reap? Health issues. Amen? There's, a bit, there's been studies all around the world where People have studied depression, they've studied fear, and they've studied what, what, what is the cause, what is the root causes for sicknesses in your body. Being in fear, depression releases chemicals in your body. Stress, anxiety, and all the rest. It is important that we as believers do everything out of a place of peace and security. I think God made a statement when, he, when he's saying he's, he sits on the throne. And that's how we should be, we should be at rest and imagine, God is still getting things done even though he's still at rest. Did you know you as a believer, when you walk in peace, you can still get things done? Amen? Get things done through your prayer. Not fighting, not bickering, not backbiting, not you know all these onslaughts through, through, through online, through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We should be at peace. Amen? And we shouldn't allow what we're seeing in the world to move us. We should be moved to prayer, moved to intercession. That gets things done. That thing changes things in the spirit. Amen? Amen. I want to talk about also the, the shield of faith. This is one of the most important pieces of the armor. Everybody say the shield of faith. The Bible says, actually in Ephesians, that this is one of the most important pieces of armor. It says, because this quenches all the fiery darts from the wicked one. And can I tell you right now, 
I have never seen so many, not here, unbelieving Christians that say they believe. We're, we're called people of faith, yet don't believe. That don't still walk in faith in spite of what they're seeing in our government. It is important. And here's how you keep, here's how I know a person who reads the word and feeds themselves constantly on the word because their faith doesn't get moved because faith comes by hearing. And when we hear the word of God on a daily basis, on a, can I teach you this morning? When you read the word on a daily basis, it feeds your spirit, man, and you will grow strong in faith. But when you watch CNN, when you watch MSNBC, when you hear more from Fox than you do from the Word of God, you will not have faith. You will have fear. You will look in the natural. You'll be moved by what you see in the natural. But the Word of God grounds you. It builds your faith so that you could withstand every fiery dart. Amen? Even if I want to make it practical, if you're going through something in your marriage and you need encouragement, read the Word. And so when the enemy comes in saying, oh, you should have married someone else, the Bible says you should stick it out. This is, this is maybe a season that you're going through because I want to birth a ministry through this marriage or through this difficulty. If you're going through financial issues, you read the word of God, let that feed your faith and put the shield of faith in your hands and, and remind you that this is just a season. Amen? Amen? And that you will reap if you faint not because the word builds your faith. It builds endurance in you. When you read the word of God, you can go through anything. Come on, somebody say anything. And you could withstand every fiery dart from the wicked one. And then there's the helmet of salvation, which is an extremely part of the armor. This protects the mind. Everybody say the mind. From the onslaughts of the enemy. I don't care who you are or where you fall on the totem pole as a Christian. You could be a believer for 25 years or two months. The enemy will attack your mind. Somebody say, yes, he will. He will attack the mind. He goes after the mind because if he can get you to change your mind, he can get you to change your position. If he can get you to be moved by what you see, if he can get you to quit early, if he can get you to quit praying, if he can get you to quit reading your Bible, if he can quit, get you to quit going to church, if he can get you to quit, he will fulfill his plan. I love the book which I highly recommend from Joyce Myers. I normally don't give plugs like this. It does me no good, but it is a powerful book about how the battlefield is in the mind. And this is where victory all begins is in the mind. I can't tell you how many believers I know currently right now, and I know them to be very, very strong believers, but want to quit because this all begins in the mind. Say the mind. And so it's important that we declare the helmet of salvation on us because as believers, what we see will affect our thinking. And our thinking, if we're not careful, if we don't filter what's in our mind, we will begin to live out the negativity that we think. As a man thinketh, so is he or she. Whatever you think will begin to manifest. So be careful. Think about what you think about. Somebody say, think about what you think about. The Lord will never speak defeat to you. Come on, that ought to help somebody. Anytime you hear those negative voices saying quit, God doesn't have quit in his vocabulary except for quit sin. That's his only quit. Somebody say quit sinning. God, there is no quit in God. There's only victory. Amen? And so he'll never tell you to give up early. He'll never to tell you, even if it's at the last minute, quit praying for your nation. That's not God's voice. That's the enemy's voice. He'll never tell you to quit going to church because church isn't working. Come on, somebody say amen to that. The Lord will tell you to keep pressing, keep moving forward, persevere, for in the end you will reap if you faint not. Come on. It all starts in the mind. And I love this. Now I want you to recognize this last piece of armor that I'm going to give you. And it's called the sword of the spirit. This is the only defensive piece of armor. Excuse me, offensive piece of armor. It is the only offensive piece of armor. In other words, the Christian's first posture shouldn't be to fight. It's defensive. We're blocking with the shield, blocking with the helmet, blocking with the breastplate of righteousness and walking in peace. Amen? But the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And this is, one of the, this is, this is our defense. What, what did Jesus use against the devil? He used the sword. 
He used the word of God. When the enemy came and he says, turn these stones into bread or cast yourself down from this mountain or I'll give you all these kingdoms and their glory. His response, Jesus's response always was, it is written. Whatever's in your life that doesn't line up with God's word, can I encourage you this morning? Say, it is written. Come on, somebody say, it is written. If your marriage doesn't line up with God's word, I'm gonna have some fun with this. If your marriage doesn't line up with God's word, say to the enemy when he tells you to quit, it is written. If your finances are not lining up with what you need them to be, I want you to look at that checkbook at the end of the day today and say, it is written. I want you to look at your body if you're sick in body. If you, I don't care if you have cancer. I don't care if you have arthritis or a back pain. I want you to speak to that back. I want you to speak to that arthritis. I want you to speak to that cancer. And you say, it is written. And guess what we're going to do as a church and as believers? We're going to look at the nations and look at our government. And we're going to say, it is written. It is written. It is written. Glory to God. This war is not against flesh and blood. Everything that you're going through in your life, any repetitive thing that you see happening over and over again, it's not always a result of your decisions. It's warfare. It's called the school of the spirit. That's because God is raising you up. Stop complaining about it and say, thank you, Lord, that you're training my hands for war and my fingers for battle. You're teaching me how to walk in victory. Can you think about this? Think about all the greats, Eva, all the great prophets that have come in the days past. Think about John Wesley. Think about William J. Seymour, one of my favorite Pentecostals of all time. In 1903, the Azusa Street broke out. One of the most amazing revivals that happened. When I, when I think about revivals and I think about even Billy Graham and all the late greats, and when you look around today, there's many great people, but, but there was just back, back 100 years ago, there was just so many at that one time. But yet God didn't choose them to be living in the days that we're living in right now with all the chaos. And there wasn't half the chaos back then. But guess what? He chose Aaron to be here. He chose Matt to be here. He chose Stephanie to be here. He chose Paula to be here. He chose James to be here. He chose Eva to be here. He chose David to be here. And Colleen, he chose all of us for such a time as this. Why? Because God chose you to be a part of this end time awakening, this end time harvest. And so it's time for us to armor up and stop complaining and wage war on the enemy. I got some news this past week, some devil devastating news. And the first thing out of my mouth when it almost knocked the wind out of me, I said, it's war, devil. It's war. It's wartime. Somebody say it's wartime. It's time to armor up. It's time to fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. Which brings me to my next point. When the enemy's fighting you and you're experiencing that kind of resistance, don't stand there. Fight back. Come on. Somebody say fight back. I love what first Timothy says, chapter six, verse 12. Fight the good fight. Everybody say fight. Come on, don't stand there, he's saying. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of witnesses. Listen to the tenacity of this introduction. He doesn't say sit by and pray about it, although we should, because oftentimes prayer is our fight. You having issues with your spouse? Pray. That's your fighting. But he's saying, fight the good fight of faith. In other words, you need to gird up your loins. You need to stand up and square your shoulders back because you are in the middle of warfare. And it's not time to sit back and let the enemy wreak havoc on your family, wreak havoc on your ministry, or wreak havoc on your mind, or wreak havoc on your body. It's time to stand up and it's time to fight the good fight of faith. How do you fight? By standing, by believing, by pressing, by praying, by fasting. Come on. Hallelujah. Christianity isn't a walk in the park. Anybody who told you it's a walk through the park is lying to you. Many times, it can be vicious. It can be a vicious attack on your faith. Enemy will do anything that he can to delay the promises of God to get you to disbelieve. Why? Because you're in a war. Look at somebody and say, you're in a war. You know why I believe I was attacked so much, particularly in the beginning of starting the church? is because eternity hangs in the balance. Think about some of you, especially some of you, you leaders here. Imagine where you were at the very beginning. If ascension could not have happened, where would you be? 
if, if God hasn't done what he's done in your life, even the past few years, even in just your relationship with the Lord, because eternity hangs in the balance, and this is what the enemy is after. He's after what God's end purpose is for your life. He's after the purposes of God. He's after the end result. He's after keeping you from going over the finish line. Somebody say, not me. Not me. When the enemy's coming at you, don't back off. As I said a moment ago, when I got this news, I said, it's war, devil. And guess what? We don't fight in our own strength. It says, be strong, not in yourself, but be strong, what? In the Lord. That's important, and that's key, because you'll find defeat if you try to fight this in your own strength. But when you armor up, it's his armor. It's God's armor. You put on God's armor, and that's where you'll find victory. So we are to be strong in the Lord when the enemy's coming against us. How do we remain strong? By putting on the armor, prayer, reading God's word. You know what I really feel like? We're getting back to the basics. I think Christianity for the majority has, 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 is becoming uh, commercialized and it, it, we hear a lot of feel-good messages and yes, we should feel good at times because God wants to encourage us, but they all shouldn't be just encouraging messages. Sometimes they should be correcting. Sometimes they should be warnings so that we get the full counsel of God. Sometimes they should be prophetic and we should hear the word of God and then sometimes you know, we should be encouraged. It should be like popcorn, God just doing different things. It shouldn't be a certain genre or a certain movement. We we want the whole counsel of God. Amen? And what he's doing right now is he is training us for the end times. I cannot get away from. I was reminded of it this week. I was, I was, in, I was at my home and I was preparing at the end of the day. It was probably it was, it was late in the day. It was going into the evening on Friday. And I had this whole other message prepared. And then my mind was inundated with this experience I had with the Lord. You will not find this, I don't even think on Facebook Live, certainly not on podcast. Because I had this encounter with the Lord when I went to a service and I heard the Lord in my heart, forgive me for being laborious and repetitive. The Lord told me very clearly, tell my people I'm coming. He said, tell my people I'm coming. My wife hadn't gone to the service with me. I went by myself, and she's always with me. I think that's the only time I've ever gone by myself. And the Lord set it up that way because I believe that he really wanted to speak to me. May I tell this story really quick? So I'm in this service, and I'm standing there, and we're probably 30 minutes into worship. And I hear these words hit my heart like a freight train. And when it hit my heart, I begin to tremble. And I heard these words almost as loud. It wasn't audible, but just it was like the Lord just spoke to my heart. I can't explain it any other way, but I knew it was him. And he said, tell my people I'm coming. And I just tried to, you know, shun it away. And then until 10 seconds later, the worship song shifts and the lyrics are all about the second coming of Jesus. And I tried to shake it off again. I'm like, Lord, what are you saying? I have very little influence. What am I supposed to do? You know, what am I supposed to do with this? As I leaned over the front of my seat, because you have, you have to test the spirits. Say, test the spirits. Y'all have to be careful whether it's, sometimes it's your voice, sometimes it's the enemy's voice. And so with three times, the thing is established, right? So, so I lean over the front of my seat, Aaron, and I see these words written across the page. It was the only words that were written on the right side of this page. It was a, a young girl in front of me, and she had gone up to worship near the pulpit area. And there's these words, coming. I knew the fear of the Lord came over me. But here was the problem. I didn't know what to do with it. I get sick as a dog coming up to Sunday service. So that was on a Sunday. That happened a Sunday evening. And the reason why it's not on Facebook, because I couldn't speak. My voice was completely gone. He may have recorded it, but it's probably in our archive. And this was five or six weeks, I don't know the day, before the pandemic hit. But it is recorded. And why am I telling you all this? Is because during this time where I'm having this encounter, I'm having this experience, as I'm resisting the Lord, I'm like, what do I do with that? You know, people know you're coming. When I, when I said that kind of back to him, I'm arguing with the Lord in my heart. They know that. And he says, no, they don't. 
No, they don't know that. And the Lord began to remind me of all the years I've been preaching since I was a young, I was a teenager. He reminded me, it was like I seen an archive of all the times I had preached. I'd never warned about his coming. Out of all the years I stood behind a pulpit, out of all the years of reading and Bible study, knowing it and having the fear of God in my heart to live as if he's coming tomorrow, but never warning his people. And so as I was preparing my message in, in, at home on Friday, I'm almost done with my message. Saturday's my day off, my only day with my family. I work six days a week pretty much. And the Lord changes my message. And it's felt, I felt like the Lord saying, don't wine and dine the people. Warn them. And that's what Steve Hill said. And that's a quote from Steve Hill back with the Brownsville Revival. Don't wine and dine. Warn we are in a season of warfare. We are in a season where we need to prepare for what is to come. You think removing our voices from Facebook and Twitter and Instagram is bad? What are you going to do when your faith is on the line? Amen. What will we do if it comes to that? Amen. If we won't even speak Jesus' name in our cubicle or to our neighbor or in our workplace, what would happen if we couldn't buy food? Amen? Amen? Come on, we don't want to talk about that scary, the scary stuff. Maybe it'll never come to that, but the scripture says there, there, we are in the beginning of the unfolding of what's to come. Look at somebody and say, get ready. We have to armor up. We have to get prepared. Is this okay? Come on, how many want to get ready? I said, how many want to get ready? How many want to be ready? The Bible talks about when Jesus comes, let him come and find his servant in faith. He, Jesus gave these parables of when he came to visit to check on his servants. He said some would start to marry and give it into marriage or starting their business, going about their business, and then the, then the Lord came like a thief in the night. We don't want to be overtaken like a thief in the night. We want to be ready. We want to be found occupying until he comes. We want to be found building the kingdom when he comes. We want to be found in faith. We want to be found, come on, living moral, holy lives. We want to be found living for Jesus. Come on, how many, how many want to be found faithful? Glory to God. So after you have endured the resistance, after you've dressed for battle, after you have fought back, then it's time to stand. Somebody say stand. You, you can stand. <laughs> it's time to stand. It says stand therefore. When you've done all, stand. When you've done everything that you know to do, when you've prayed your heart out, when you have fasted your heart out, when you have pressed, when you've believed, when you've pursued, when you've read your word and nothing seems to be changing, you've prayed about whoever it is you've prayed for and voted for. My goodness, I don't know who you voted for. Praise the Lord. And we don't get the results that we thought we should get. We stand. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Have you ever been promised something by the Lord? And then you look at the natural and it looks completely opposite of what you're believing God for. God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows the end at the very beginning. He sees the end result when it first starts. Before he even gives you the word, he knows the end. And this is what I love about worship. This is the reason why the worship team, and we talk about it, we press into God. Because it's there that we get to peer in to see the end game. It's there we find encouragement. It's there we find the strength to withstand in the evil day. And more than ever before, we have to soak in his presence. Come on, somebody say soak. 
when we soak in his presence is not only are we soaking in his presence, are we getting encouragement? Is he revealing the secrets of his heart to us? Allowing you to peer into your promised land. But you're warfaring. Did you know worship is warfare? Sometimes I walk in here, I'm like, and I ask the Lord. And though I worship throughout the week, sometimes I come in here and, and I, you know, a little discouraged and I start worshiping and I feel all that stuff just lift on me, off of me. And I say, Lord, how come I didn't get that in my study? You know, how come I didn't get that, you know, at home? And I'll gently hear the Holy Spirit nudge me and say, well, you didn't worship me like you did in the sanctuary. Did you hear what I said? I'll hear the Lord say, you weren't worshiping me at home like you did in service. And that's why my presence was so heavy. And here's my encouragement to you this morning. The more you worship, the more the Lord is training you for warfare. Because when you go up, the enemy can't go high with you. There's one thing that the enemy cannot do. Yes, he can discourage you. Yes, he can fight against you. Yes, he can throw fiery darts at you. But he cannot go into worship with you. Because that's our hiding place. My encouragement to you this morning is make worship your focus. Make loving on Jesus your focus. Let's not make the government our focus. Certainly pray. Keep praying until the waking end. Keep praying until January 20th. Anything can happen. I said anything can happen. But let's worship. Let's focus on him. You know what's happening in the nation. I'll say this and then I'll quit. It's not that the enemy is just after your destiny, not just after the nation right now. Therefore, you know, this message is the reason why I'm talking about armor, but it's not just all about that. It's about territory. See? Because the enemy wants to take territory. He wants to fight over your particular territory, whatever that is. He wants to fight over the territory of this nation. But guess what? What's not his territory? See, the, see the earth, the, the Lord even, even gave some level of authority to the enemy in the earth. Did you know that? But he can't, his territory is not in worship. And that's why it's so important that we focus and we engage the Lord, that we love on him, that we focus upon him, that we put our, our, our affections upon him, that we, you know, go deeper into him. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.